Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, the Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments interact with the community. You can check them out right now and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Happy Canada Day. If you celebrate Canada Day. And if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out. Yes, because it will drop on the 1st, which is Canada, Canada Day, Day here yeah. locally. Uh, there will be fireworks, probably some manner of get-together. We've been invited to two already. Yeah. Exciting. Outdoor events, I believe. Yes. As there is still some pandemic concern. And I believe it's supposed to be a nice day. I also believe that. It's been, there's been a lot of rain. There's been an unusual amount of rain. Kind of, sort of. Like, June is always rainy around here. But it's been a lot rainy the last couple weeks. It's also been weird rainy, right? Like, this is the kind of weather we normally get at the end of the summer, not at the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Where it's really nice during the day, and then we get this random thunderstorm, and then it goes back to being nice again. And, like, torrential downpours, where we've just been inundated very quickly, and then it's gone. And then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that one was weird. That was, like, Florida weather <laughs> when it did that the other day. It's that also been fun. very humid on yeah. the note of... Florida. Hence the thunderstorms, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Normally we live in a fairly dry area. And indeed, wildfires have been problematic for years because of how dry it tends to get in the summer around here. So the yeah. fact that it's been a very wet kind of introduction to the summer this year just strikes me as unusual. It, it seems unseasonal. It feels like weather recovery. Like it's been so dry the last couple of years that now we're getting all the rain. Yeah. Like... The planet is trying to find its equilibrium again. Like, oh, it's super dry over there. All right, let's soak that. <laughs> and that's not to say there haven't been, like, major showers in the past in southern Alberta. I know down there there have been flooding issues for, for some time. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually sadly normal yeah. for, for southern Alberta. But up here it tends to be a little drier. So. Yeah. yeah. Weather is weird and we talk about it a lot. Welcome to the read <laughs> Yeah. Where we, where we discuss the weather and then a book. Usually. <laughs> yeah. A very polite conversation over here. Indeed. I guess with that said, we'll do a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Morvan takes command and then promptly loses command to Pollux, who they find basically outside the door. Yeah. Who's in the middle of a breakdown. Yeah. Uh, they manage to get Pollux back on her feet and Pollux is like, uh, everyone else is dead and we need to find ourselves some gardening tools ASAP. And that pretty much leads us into chapter 13 of Screams from the Void by Ann Tibbetts. You make it sound like they're going to garden the, the alien to death. That's basically their plan at this juncture, yes. <laughs> kind of, sort of, not quite. They have a greenhouse on board and they do a lot of working with plants so it stands to reason they'd have a lot of sharp gardening tools aboard. yeah it's true they would have like giant clippers and pruning shears and apparently they have a collection of machetes as you do 
Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. From a starship perspective, having close combat weaponry accessible makes sense in a universe where there is space piracy. Now, we don't know that that's the case in this universe, and that might explain why they don't appear to have, like, a bunch of sabers on board, (laughs) or why the captain doesn't have, like, an ornamental sword or something. But in a universe where which is rife with space piracy, or, for that matter, boarding actions, a close combat weapon is far more practical than a firearm. Yes. However, based on the fact that they don't have any close combat weapons per se these are considered gardening implements they are explicitly gardening implements so based on the fact that they have no hand-to-hand combat training mandatory for their crew and the fact that these are brought on board as gardening implements i'm willing to bet that that's not the case here in this universe probably not that kind of space piracy A, a lot of starship combat would be at great distance and they have mentioned fighting in a war, but the implication was certainly more like in a gravity well on a planet surface. Plus, they do have energy weapons, which might be easier on a starship. But if you're dealing in a universe with projectile weapons, that's a great way to decompress a starship very quickly. Yes. And so, and that's why if, if you are a pirate and your intention is to board and raid a ship, you'd carry a sword. It might seem weird to think from like a space age perspective, but a, a gun, a slug thrower can blow a hole and kill in the everybody. starship and yeah. kill everyone, yeah. And plus plus your valuable cargo treasure slash whatever. Blow a hole in a ship, everything gets sucked out into space. Blown, technically, but yeah. Sorry, blown in, <laughs> out into space. Uh, there goes your hull. Yeah. So, Floating away. So yeah. Um, it just, it's, a, it's a thought that came to mind when they were looking for sharp implements. Yeah. Reminds me of that line from uh, The Hunt for Red October. Where the captain warns him that most things in a nuclear submarine don't react well to bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Same on a spaceship. (laughs) Exactly the same on a spaceship. But at any rate, they do have, even if they don't have like a weapons locker full of swords, they do have a gardening locker full of machetes. Uh, Or at least enough machetes that a couple of them can get their hands on. Well, there are machetes and clippers and I think... Some, I think somebody has like like a rake, <laughs> or, or like a like a spade, yeah, that they can use as a. Oh, somebody has an axe. Yeah, uh, think, Reina. In fact, I think has Reina an has axe. a hand axe. Yeah, because even if they don't use these tools a lot in the greenhouse, they almost certainly do on the planet surface oh, when they're yeah. taking samples or even just wading through an alien jungle. You're going to want a machete. Yeah, exactly. Now better armed, uh, the crew begins to move towards the flight deck. And we start the chapter kind of in Raina's head, and she's kind of taking stock of their chances. Yeah, she's sort of going through the line, assessing everyone, I suppose, right? Yeah, taking stock of their chances, more <laughs> of or less. Of the crew and their chances, yeah. Uh, and it does not look good. No. Uh, in fact, it partly stems from Pollux having been like, oh, our chances don't look good. And Raina's like, do they look good? No, they don't. No, they, they don't. don't look they good. don't. And she kind of runs down the list. First off, Pollux is, like, kind of taking charge again, seems to have regained a little bit of spring in her step, but at the same time, she's still, like, scratching like crazy. Oh, yeah. And we all know that, psychologically, Pollux is a hot mess. Yes. Like, a piping hot mess. Apparently at the best of times, but certainly right now. She is not in a good way. Tamsin is falling apart. Oh, that is an emotional breakdown at its peak. Tam is not okay. She, uh, she is like racked with fear and grief and is just like... Sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that 
puts pressure on Avram because Tamsin has been acting as his nurse this whole time, keeping him going. And she's in no condition to do that at the moment. And he's once again wheezing and sneezing. Yeah, so his allergies are making him a little bit useless. Uh, Niall, if anything, seems to have also gained some spring in his step. And Reyna can't place if it's because he's feeling like he needs to step up now because he's just lost face in front of all the ensigns, or if it's because Pollux is now here and he doesn't have to be the officer in charge anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't define his as a spring in his step. I would define his as like angry determination. Yeah, that that's kind of how I read it too. Yeah, I don't know if that bodes well or not. It, it could mean for reckless decision making. Right? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of reckless decision making, uh... Morvin... He's now angry. Reyna knows exactly what that tends to lead to. She calls it outright. Like, he's angry, and when he gets this way, he tends to be reckless. Yeah. And I I wrote down in my notes, shocked, I say. What? (laughs) He gets angry and does irrational things. Wow. Yeah, we're going to circle back to that. Oh, are we ever. We then kind of segue into a flashback of Reyna and Morvin's big breakup. I did not need to read that. At all. (laughs) Nita and her emotional triggers. That was so hard for me to read. It made me very upset. It's very effectively written. Yeah. Very effective. I was not okay for a little while. It was tough. I, I don't handle well when innocent people are being punished. And that was Reyna trying to fix things and being physically beaten for it. And I was not okay. Uh, and we know from previous chapters that she was beaten severely enough that she missed work. Yeah. No. Like, and I knew what it was as soon as it started happening. I was like, oh, this is the beating. Yeah. And I did not need to read that. Yeah. It's interesting to me that all of what happened involving their breakup, Morvan hangs on Pollux in a weird way. She, it's like a messed up catalyst. Yeah, and it's very projecty of him. Very. But it's clear that Pollux comes from an abusive background because her mother is constantly chirping in her ear. Oh, yeah, and it's all horrible things that no person should say to another person. Which makes it very clear why Pollux is able to recognize when somebody's in an abusive relationship because she can see the same warning signs. Like, I, I know what's going on. And I can see what's going on with you. And she kind of warned Reyna because apparently she overheard a fight that Morvin and Reyna had had. Apparently it was hard not to hear the fight. And was like, look, I don't care what's going on with the two of you, but it's clear that it's not healthy and you need to get out of that. And also, I mean, Pollux to a certain degree sees Morvin for what he is. Like she even thinks about it later in this chapter. Like I've known that he's a bad apple the whole time. (laughs) I've. I would argue that even though we're not in anybody else's head, everybody has to know. Well... Everybody has to know. I mean, everyone knows that Morvin beat the crap out of Reyna. And everyone sees how he behaves. He's not just like that in private with Reyna. He's just like that. Yeah, he's a bully. To everybody. So everybody has to know. Yeah. Everybody knows what he is. But I would go so far as to say that Pollux might have had him made from from jump. Oh. And Morvin basically says that. Like, she's always had it out for me. Yeah. Yeah, because you've always been a jerk. Because you've always been a jerk. And she recognizes a jerk because her mom was a jerk. Yeah. And was obviously emotionally abusive to her. And so she can, she can see what Morvin is doing. And she gets him. Mm-hmm. And of course, this, in Reyna's 
kind of... I don't want to say recollection because it's an actual flashback. In the flashback, Reyna even thinks to herself, did Pollux get in my head about him or was she confirming something I already knew? Well, I, it's kind of silly that Reyna is even asking that question of herself. She knows the answer to that question. Yeah, but like many victims of abuse... Yes, I know. She can it's... talk herself into thinking that it's not abusive, right? I know, it's sad but true. Now, Reyna at this juncture also tries... tries to make a very rational argument here, which is, look, we knew this wasn't going to be a long-term thing. You're very career-oriented. Obviously, after this is done, because you're the golden boy, you're going to get promoted, and you'll be off on another adventure as a, an officer. Osric's got it out for me, so probably I'll be shunted back to the academy to take remedial courses, <laughs> the way that things are going. So, like, in six months, this is done anyway. We could have a, a clean, amicable break right now, end things off as friends, that also takes the pressure off of us from Pollux and the captain, who now that they're very aware that we're in a relationship are not yeah. thinking highly of it. Like, this is the easy out. We just split now and we're done. And Morvan, of course, number one, takes this as a personal attack. Number two, takes Blames this- Blames Reyna. Not just Reyna, blames Pollux for yeah. having gotten in Reyna's ear. And number three- because, as you've previously established, Reyna is his belonging. He's not done with her yet. Not for another six months. So it's unacceptable that she wants to not be with him at this juncture. Yes, how dare she? Yeah, so he beats the crap out of her. Awesome. Because when he's angry, he doesn't make rational decisions. He's a hot-headed, violent bully. <sighs> he's the worst. Yeah, and he will continue to be so. We come back to the present, and we are now in Pollux's head. Yes, and her... <laughs> Her psychoses, psychoses? Her psycho if there if there are more than one of them, then yes. <laughs> yes, her her various psychoses, psychosi. I don't know. I think it's psychoses. They're almost infuriating to read. Just having the thoughts in your own head, screaming all that garbage at you. Ugh. Honestly, at this juncture, I'm going to reiterate something that I had suggested earlier on. Mm. I don't think that Pollux is acting rationally. No, I don't think she is either. I and think I, you're absolutely right. And I don't know that it's necessarily because of psychoses. And I I actually think that it might harken back to the alien slime. I think it might be affecting her mentally as well as physically. Oh, that's absolutely possible. And that's why her thoughts are scattered. She's not fully focused. She's constantly, like, thinking negative thoughts. She's made some questionable decisions, including jumping over that ravine right at the top. Which we, we now know she was already being affected by the slime at that point. That's true. Like, I have no solid proof that this is the case, but we do have a flashback involving Pollux where she was, A, much more positive, granted it was yep. months earlier, and <laughs> yeah. B, seemed to be making much more rational decisions, which, at the moment, she's all over the place. That's, yeah. Her thought process is hard to read, and I wonder if it's because she's under alien influence. Maybe. Or it might simply be a symptom of alien influence. Like if the slime is just affecting her physically, right? Making her super itchy, making her hot, giving her a headache. Well, irrational behavior might just be a symptom of that. Uh, well, I, yes. I mean, it might not be literally breaking her mind, but it is clear that she is under mental duress and the slime is not helping. No. The physical reaction to the slime is not helping. So if nothing else in that way, yes, it could be affecting her mind. If it is not directly affecting her mind. I guess I'm reiterating to agree with you. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Anyway. 
Uh, either way, I think it's safe to say that it is affecting her judgment. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, because at one point she literally thinks like, God, I just kind of want to smack all these guys in the head with machetes. Like, <laughs> that's not a rational thought someone has, even in an emergency, even under duress. Yeah, especially in an emergency. Now, to her credit, she does think that they've hit upon a half-decent plan, which is get the other spore off the ship. But her step two is then, we need to get to the escape pod. Yeah. In fact, she was on her way to the escape pod, apparently, when they found her. Yeah. That one threw me a little bit. I mean, she was in a panic at that moment. That's true. She didn't know if anybody else was still alive. She was, wasn't was about to go around checking. Yeah. So, I mean, running for the escape pod at that point would have been abandoning the rest of the crew, but she had no way of knowing they were still alive. Well, yeah. Well, they had no way of knowing she was still alive. It, right? They didn't. Because <laughs> no one was communicating with anybody. I don't even know the communications even work anymore. So, yeah, at the moment, that's still her backup plan. It's just now it also includes getting all the ensigns and Nile off the ship as well. Yes. Uh, but first step get up to the flight deck and jettison that other pod. So right. there's only one foreign biological they have to deal with while they're on their way to Trying the escape to pod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they get to the flight deck and it's basically, let's get everybody up. Uh, Morvan kind of gestures for Reyna to go first, but then Niall actually heads up first. He kind of muscles his way past and goes up. This actually makes sense to me. He is one of the officers. Yeah, he's, he's taking point is what he's doing. Yeah, so better that he goes up and checks things first. So up he goes. Uh, then Avram follows him up because he's basically next there. And then Tamsin starts going up. And that's when Pollux notices... The four yellow eyes? Yeah. On the, the wall next to them? The Kepler is in the room with them. Yeah. So a couple things then happen. First of all, Tamsin freezes in terror. And everybody's shouting for her to get up yeah, to finish Pollux going up the ladder. Yeah, is trying to get everybody up the ladder because Reyna and Morvan are still on the ground. Yeah. I think Reyna's on the bottom of the ladder at that point. Morvin's yeah. on the ground, Pollux is on the ground, and they're all stuck because... Tamsin is frozen in terror. Yeah, because Tamsin can't move. Uh, to the point where Niall actually reaches down and hauls her up Well, the yeah, Reyna, like, shoulders her in the butt mm -hmm. and, like, physically pushes her up, and then... And Niall uh, grabs Niall her. reaches down and, like, grabs her by the collar like a kitten. Yeah. And, like, hooah! And yeah. hauls her up. Like, so, Tam is basically useless now. The other thing that happens is that we discover that the creature has no immunity to slashing weapons because Pollux does get in a good swipe on it and cuts it. Oh, and yeah. it does not react like this is no big deal. Yeah, no, like it, it bleeds, yep. it recoils, she has hurt it. And is very pleased by that, actually. <laughs> yeah. The descriptive word used most often to describe the Kepler in this situation is slithering. Yeah, because it's got a very long body. Yeah, I, I it strikes me as a very like fluid kind of it's like a dragony. Yeah, you it's know? like a furry snake with legs. <laughs> I don't know what this thing looks like anymore. I have a pretty good idea of what it looks like actually, and and like picture a very big ferret. Okay. Like that length of body, except even a little longer. Yeah. And able to like slither like that. Yeah. yeah. Furry, lots of claws and teeth. Yeah. Bunch of eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting is Reyna's actions in this moment, because Morvin's like, you're next. And Reyna actually reaches past him and calls on Pollux to go next. To me, that indicates that Reyna recognizes the danger in this moment. And it's not from the Kepler. Oh. Because she pointedly hesitates to go up before Pollux or Morvin. Because she doesn't want to leave Pollux and Morvin Because she doesn't want to leave Pollux and Morvin together. That I 100% read that. Like, and she it, was right. It gets dangerous enough, and Pollux is shouting for her to go, and finally she does relent and goes up. But 
she specifically like reaches past Morvan and is like, you're up next, Sarge, because she does not want to leave the two of them together because she recognizes the danger. Well, based on last chapter or, or previous chapter anyway, when he just about locked them both in the greenhouse. Yeah. And that means that she's 100% going to call him on what happens next chapter. I hope so. Like, he's going to come up and be like, oh, no, we lost the Sarge. Oh, darn. And, like, and Raina's going to be like, oh, because you left her to die and or killed her yourself. Yeah. Like, you, she's- You monster. She's 100% going to be suspicious of him and not believe him that it was harmless or something. Yeah, but I realize, you probably realize, that's Raina putting her own life on the line. She's got a bunch of people standing there with them. Yeah. Doesn't so, mean she's not going to die. Well, I'm confident she's not going to die because she's one of the two protagonists in this novel. Right. And if we do lose Pollux in this chapter, it would be really weird for Raina to go immediately afterward. Yes, it would. <laughs> um, that said, I don't know that we lose Pollux in this chapter. She very Disney villain deaths this. Mm -hmm. In the same way that I'm not, I haven't seen Valda's body, so I don't know that he's dead. Same thing. I haven't, I don't trust that Valda's dead yet. And we had no confirmation Sorrel died prior to seeing his corpse. When he was attacked earlier. Yeah. You see, we, we did not know how that went down. And we true. weren't willing to call it at that point. So I'm not willing to call Pollux at this point. Me neither. Uh, especially because the Kepler continues to act weird around her. Well, no, it was coming at her this time. Kind of. It was coming at her because she cut it. But it was being real tentative about it. It's been super aggressive in attacking other people. But it continues to act odd around Pollux. Hmm. It also pointedly didn't go after Morvan. That's true. And we know Morvin has the slime. And once Pollux injured it, it could have been like, well, I'm not going to deal with you now. If it was really just afraid of her and the machete, there was an, there were two easier targets behind it yeah. that it could have gone after. And we've seen it go after other people while being attacked before. So the fact that it didn't go after Morvin again doesn't discount the possibility that the slime has something to do with it. The fact it didn't go after Reyna doesn't discount there's something about her that's making it a little twitchy around her as well. Because it also hasn't attacked her in the past. That's true. In the galley. And it acts weird going after Pollux. It goes after Pollux in the way that a, like a cornered animal might. Like, I don't want to go after you, but you're leaving me no choice. Yeah, I will if I have to. That's kind of the read I, like I might be misreading it, but that's kind of the read I got on it. Makes sense. Yeah. At least it tracks with what we've noticed so far. Yeah. Right? Because so... it, it could have attacked her outright, but it got cut by her and then it kind of acts a little tentative. And she reads it as maybe it's afraid of me swinging my machete at it. And it's not until she gets cornered with it in the greenhouse and is acting aggressive to it that it starts to actually, like, make like it's going to attack her. Yeah. Which is where the chapter ultimately ends, is yeah. it seemingly leaping at her. Right? She's bracing for impact. And I don't know what that means. Because if she's bracing for impact, blade out, and mm -hmm. this thing jumps at her... She's going to stab it. Yeah. Or maybe just because she was swinging wildly at it, maybe she gets in a lucky hit. Or... It's actually leaping in her direction to escape. Yeah, maybe it goes past her. Yeah. Because I, I fully expect that at some point Pollux is going to pop back up and be like, surprise, and Morvin's going to be really put out by that. Because he straight up attempts to kill her. Oh, yeah. He t absolutely does. He purposely locks that door behind her. Yep. I'm a little surprised he made his move so soon, simply because I expected he was going to make his move a little later. But at the same time... This was his opportunity. This was his opportunity. Okay, so like we're not even we're not even going to be suspicious of anybody else anymore. Morvin is clearly our murderer, right? Well, we haven't seen anybody like, else make a murder. It is now 
<laughs> we were like, oh, it's too obvious. But now it is so very blatant. This it is, has to be him. This is the second attempted murder he's made. So, And I say attempted only again because we have no confirmation that Pollux is dead. True. The problem is he's done it in a super sus way. Because oh, yeah. it, it was right after they reconnected with Pollux and she took command again. It was right after his essential mutiny. Yeah. And it's super convenient that he was left behind with her and then she miraculously died. Yeah. Oh, and now I'm in charge again like we agreed. And Reyna's, number one, Reyna's 100% going to call him on it. Because again, the social read I got on her in this chapter was she was aware of the danger that Morvan presented to Pollux. Right. And number two, I mean, even if Tamsin's not rationally acting, Avram and Niall are going to be like, yeah, that's super sus. Right? That reads as super sus. Right? Yeah. So the only thing I can figure is that somewhere deep in his brain, Morvan thinks he still needs or has use for in some way Reyna. Otherwise, he'd have killed them both. He'd have left them both to die in that room. He's got conflicted emotions about Reyna. Sure. He hates her, but he loves her. Yeah. But for some reason or other, he wants her to stick around. I mean, he very nearly tried to kill both of them. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't. He didn't. And it's because they were together. So really, the only person standing in his way of, quote unquote, getting what he wants is Pollux, right? She's taking command again. He wants that back. And she's his immediate boss and he hates her. Yep. For work reasons and for relationship reasons. So it makes sense that now he's got this great opportunity to leave her for dead and he's taken it. But he's also not thought of the fact that it looks super sus. Of course not. He is the imposter. Everybody now knows he's the imposter. Yeah, but I don't think he sees it that way. He sees it as, I'm going to get rid of this impediment. I'm going to take charge. I'm going to be the hero. Because his plan, not that he ever had a plan... At no point did his plan include escape pods. Because I don't think that's heroic enough for him. No. He wants to hunt this thing and kill it and be the victor. He wants to be the hero. He doesn't want to be the guy who helped them escape. He wants to be the guy who helped them kill the monster. Yeah, he wants to vanquish the bad guy. He doesn't want to be a coward and run. No, it's clear that he doesn't want to be a coward because he beat the crap out of Reyna while calling her a coward. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's taking out Pollux potentially puts him back in command, assuming that Niall doesn't challenge him on it, which I hope he does. And yeah, he gets to be the hero, even though it's a really, really dumb move to purposely kill off a survivor. He's going to get somebody else killed, whether he likes to or not. The other thing that I think is factoring into his decision-making in this moment is not just a fundamental lack of the foresight of this will look very suspicious and it will change the social dynamic with the other survivors. I think there's also an element to it of he's a person who's never had to face consequences for his actions. So why should there be consequences now? Ooh, that's a good point. He beat Reyna severely enough that she was in the infirmary for weeks and he got less than a slap on the wrist. That's true. She got as much blame as he did in the situation. She basically got a don't do that again. Yeah. Like it's taken for granted by most people that he's on the fast track to become an officer despite his terrible behavior, despite the fact that his direct boss kind of hates him. He's skated by all this time. He is is the embodiment of white male privilege. So why should killing his boss at this juncture do anything? Change anything because nothing matters. It all comes up Morvin all the time. It it would never cross his mind that there would be a consequence for him abandoning her and lying about it. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be. Because again, Reyna is, uh, I cannot see Reyna not calling him on it in the next chapter. 
oh, I, I anticipate everyone's going to call him on it. And he's yeah. going to come up with a flimsy excuse. But the question is, is this the time when it's when things aren't going to come up Millhouse finally? Like, <laughs> I, I hope so. I don't so. know. I don't know. Also, pretty sure the Kepler does not care about his white male privilege. Oh, no, the Kepler definitely doesn't. But again, it would figure that the slime would make him immune to the Kepler. Ugh. Like, that would be perfect. That Of course that would happen. Yeah, that sucks. Quite a lot. <sighs> With that observation, though, that's pretty much where the chapter ends. And yeah, then I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. You'll want to read up on chapter 14 in time for next week. Yes, where we see what happens. I guess so, yeah. In the meantime, you know, workplace accidents apparently happen in space, especially when there's a rampaging alien on board. <laughs> and that can cause problems, especially when you're dealing with having to uh, deal with insurance and whatnot. If you are if you are the Space Corps, I assume <laughs> they have some sort of insurance in their, place. Their space insurance is through the roof. I would hope so. Uh, but if you're a business owner and you have astronauts going onto strange planets to catalog mysterious botanicals for future potential use in colonies, uh, you might need uh, to worry about insurance for your staff as well. And fortunately, Alberta Blue Cross <laughs> might have your back. For Alberta's thriving space program. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Alberta Blue Cross. Benefits. Woo! Supporting the Alberta Podcast Network. You can learn more about the Alberta Podcast Network by checking out the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. It's really obvious. Yep. There's a bunch of other podcasts there on a bunch of different topics. Oh, so many. You can find one you like and download it on your podcatcher of choice. Absolutely. It's probably where you're downloading our pod. You give us a little rating and review. Oh, we'd appreciate it. We'd like to show that appreciation on social media. All right. Here's the list. We are on... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. We try to be easy to find. Yeah, you can hit us up via email. Absolutely. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Space gardening. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>